Welcome, and thanks for joining me, Keen Barclay, on Down the Tunnel. From transferring Division I schools after his first year, which he redshirted, coaching youth soccer in Ohio as a staff coach, as well as an age director and an ECNL coach, traveling to California and becoming a technical staff member of a club and building future leaders through soccer. Our guest shares his own personal struggles and battle with anxiety and depression in the game, as well as his willingness and openness to help others. Today, we're going down the tunnel with Toby Froelich. Toby Froelich, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, starting twenty twenty one out on the West Coast. Yeah, it's been a, a pretty crazy experience after moving here uh, in March of twenty twenty, two days before we locked down. Yeah, it was a uh, that's an interesting time to make a big move. But let's uh, <laughs> let's start kind of uh, where you began in the game of soccer, playing and growing up, and, and kind of how it all started for you. Yeah, sure. So I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, Um, started playing for internationals when I was eight years old and played with them through a U18. Um, So I was with them for what, 10 or 11 years. Uh, And I would guess play for blast down in Columbus and had some good, some good times with them as well. Um, So yeah, that's where I played and then went to Cleveland state my freshman year of college. And then, uh, made the you know uh decision to transfer to nku and played there for four years after i redshirted my freshman year at cleveland state and yeah that sort of wrapped up my playing career after college overall good experience though i mean two good division one programs two good experiences what what was that like for you yeah great great experience playing in college um you know i have so much great things to say about cleveland state it was just you know personally for me i had to get uh a little bit away from home in order to just be happy, you know, soccer in the game of soccer and outside of soccer. And, you know, it was, I had some great coaches, great teammates, but uh, just kind of wanted to get away and then, you know, went to NKU and that was a really cool experience. Um, my first year at NKU was the first year of the program being uh, division one. So it was a really uh, cool experience to kind of make that transition with the program and, uh, yeah, be within the first four years of uh, Division One soccer. Kind of helped trailblaze that program after coming off of an incredibly successful Division Two program across the country. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, there was a lot of good things going on before I got there, and uh, you know, some good things going on when I was there. So, just was very fortunate to uh, to be a part of starting things off. And so, then when did you decide that you wanted to kind of try your hand in coaching? And how did those opportunities come about? Oh, I decided that I wanted to start coaching when I was probably 15 or 16 years old, as crazy as that sounds. Um, you know, I kind of did some uh, some little things, just some some small goalkeeper trainings when I was like probably 16 or 17 is when I started doing them with with younger kids, you know, not charging them anything, just kind of hopping out in the backyard and doing it. Um, but, you know, I got really serious about it. Probably my I was in college four and a half years. So I'll, I will say my fifth year, I started actually working full time, but you know, probably when I was like 21 or 22, when I like fully delved into it and was just like, yeah, this is, this is certainly what I want to do. And that's kind of when I got 
a little bit more serious and started coaching in the club game. I'm doing goalkeeper training to, to coaching a team uh, in the club environment. What was that like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. So I was fortunate. My um, So it was out of my five years, my fourth year, I got to work at King's Hammer as a director of goalkeeping, which was very, very part-time. And then um, the summer of my fifth year of college, I got hired as the director of goalkeeping at Ohio Elite, which was meant to be a full-time job. Um, but kind of throughout the college season, I just worked uh, one or two days a week, a week kind of around my schedule. And then, you know, I got hired full-time and I did that upon graduating for two years. And then uh, that's when I started coaching teams full-time was about at 25. Uh, I was our junior girls director of coaching. So I was in charge of all the teams, U11 to U14. And I uh, coached two teams and directed so you, the other man, you had six to or eight. really expand your skill set quickly from being the goalkeeper specialist to you know, <laughs> managing a team in the team environment. And then your leadership skill set with leading some of the coaches in your, in your age group, what was that like? Like, how did, how did that transition go for you? Sure. So, I mean, I'd be lying if I said there definitely wasn't some, some Rocky parts. Um, before I get into that, I, I will say that I was really lucky in the sense that as the director of goalkeeping, you know, there were definitely times I was on the field with the teams, you know, three to four days a week at training and then every week at games. And, you know, if something needed to be covered, uh, being a full-time staff member, I was kind of always around to cover it. So I wasn't going in, you know, completely blind. Um, but I definitely had never led a team myself for an extended period of time. Um, but I think that, you know, I was at Ohio elite, um, first and foremost. And I think, you know, Tim Lesiak and Doug Bracken um, did a really good job of, of kind of getting me ready and the rest of the staff. So, um, you know, I, I think that I was a little bit more prepared than I thought I was, but like <laughs> a funny example was the guy who was in the position before me of junior girls director um, decided to, to leave and make his own club and he's doing quite well for himself now, but uh, I just got kind of thrown into it. And then I had to run tryouts because, you know, my, uh, off the soccer path job was also like the event director um, that was kind of rolled into my rolled into my job description. Um, so yeah, it was like, okay, week one on the job and I am organizing tryouts and I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. <laughs> uh, so it was just kind of, you know, figuring all that stuff out on the fly and, you know, really leaning on others for help. And overall, I think it print, it went, you know, pretty well. And, there's just one of those experiences you really learn from and grow from and kind of grab ideas from everybody yeah, else I mean, the, and the, do what you can. The to best make it way to learn is kind of just jump right in. So you, you, you certainly did that. Yeah. <laughs> and talk, talk about, <laughs> didn't really talk have about option. Uh, what it was like in terms of maybe leading, directing or mentoring some of the coaches that were in that age group that you were working with. Um, yeah. So coming in as a young, DOC, um, you know, I was fortunate to work with some really good people. One of them was Woody Sherwood, who um, does a lot of great leadership and mental health type things in the community now, but he was an assistant and maybe an associate coach at uh, Indiana for the women's program. And, um, you know, and then he was the head coach at Xavier for the women's program there. And then there was another man who had been coaching, you know, for a long time and, you know, was at least double my age. And then the other coach that I oversaw was uh, eventually was my roommate. Um, So, you know, just a lot of different uh, dynamics and stuff. So 
my approach because, you know, naturally I was a little bit defensive being 24 or 25 years old. And, you know, I kind of wanted to give a good impression and make sure that, you know, they didn't look at me as, as, as weak for my age, even though, you know, thinking about it now, <laughs> they never would have, they were all very, very good people. Um, but I kind of wanted to make sure that we were partners. Um, so I went in and, you know, just made sure that from a leadership perspective, everything was really collaborative and it was working together because selfishly I had a lot to, I had a lot to learn from them as well. Um, and, and also, you know, I've just always found it very effective that, um, you know, I found it to be very effective looking things through a lens of working together and making everything better as opposed to top-down leadership where I'm just telling people what to do all the time. That's, that's a great, I think that's a great approach, you know, getting into an environment like that with the already the experience of coaches mm -hmm. that you have around you. I think that was probably the best way to approach it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then in the following years after that, actually our, uh, we had a pretty cool setup, our executive director, uh, actually decided to come down and work in the U11 to U14 ages. Um, so I got to work kind of hand in hand with him. So that was, uh, you know, that was really interesting. He was an owner of the club and he was the executive director, but he's coaching in the program that I'm overseeing. So that was, you know, uh, I didn't really have to have to be his boss too much, you know, outside of doing some things, but it was certainly, uh, you know, a different dynamic for me in navigating that. And just, you know, it also elevated me. I think um, had to just make sure that I was, you know, on point all the time because the, the head honcho is kind of there with me every single day coaching. And then you mentioned one of the guys that you worked with is now working in like mental health. I know you and I both tweet out a lot of stuff and social media, a lot of stuff. Yeah, mental for health. Sure. You want to, share a little bit about mm -hmm. how important that is to you and and kind of your approach with that side of it oh yeah no doubt this is i could i could we could do a six-hour podcast about this uh i have no problem sharing and you know that's one thing that i think that i'd, I'd like to mention whenever you put this out you know if that's something anybody ever wants to connect with me with i'm, I'm really open about this kind of stuff um so if anybody ever feels the need or want they're more than happy to to get in touch with me um but yeah, for me, God, it's of the utmost importance. I mean, um, you know, the mental health side of, of sport is something, you know, I'll kind of hone in on that now. And I, I don't know, hopefully not go on a rant. No, please do. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, f for me, it's, it's so important. Um, just the, the mental health and the connection, because for me, the way that I always look at coaching is, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a hyper, hyper, hyper competitive person. And, you know, I want to win everything I do, whether it's coaching a U11 game or, you know, being a college coach. Um, obviously, I'm not going to sacrifice some principles of play or methodology or game model to win a game. There's, you know, we could go into details about that, but I'm not going to, you know, just smash the ball 50 yards in a U11 game to try and win. Um, but I'm hyper competitive. But the reason that I do this at the end of the day is to make better people. Um, you know, and I think a lot of coaches are, are in it for that reason. So, you know, for me, I could have the best team in the world and we could win a U14 ECNL national championship. But if I don't make every one of those kids a better person in the community, a better, you know, sister, a better daughter, uh, you know, a better friend, then I think that I've failed. Like, that's just, you know, that's not saying that's right or wrong, but that's kind of how I look at it. Um, so, so for me, you know, uh, 
that kind of goes off the mental health thing. I, I think it, it could be a little bit confusing because I'm ranting again, but, but not really. Um, because I think for me, I started really bringing mental health to a focus in my life when I was, you know, in my college age and soccer was sort of my escape. And, and I won't lie. It, it definitely was, excuse me, the cause of a lot of anxiety, you know, playing time. Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? How are things going? Um, but I, I was able to, you know, after starting to see a therapist, uh, which for me was really, really important. And I encourage anybody who, you know, ever is, is questioning to do it or not to, to do it. But after starting to see a therapist, uh, I was able to work soccer as a, as an outlet and it was my safe space and it was my, my place where I got away. Um, so I think, you know, the important thing with, with that now to relate it into, into coaching is that, um, you know, tons, tons of people that I talk to in, in coaching have, you know, some concerns about mental health because it's super, super hard not to take your work home with you because you're in charge of a group of, you know, athletes, whether they're 10 or it's very easy, I think, in my mind to question a lot of what you do. And that led to a ton of, you know, depressions and, you know, really try and frame it in a way of, you know, you're always doing what's best for the kid. There's no reason to, you know, be laying in bed at 11 o'clock and think about if you did a rondo the right way. And time to time, I'd be lying if, if I said that. God, I, like I said, I knew I was going to repeat, man. It's just so, so, so important to me. Yeah. I mean, I think for so many players, when, soccer has kind of been the driving force for the decisions they're making in their life, which, I mean, I can relate to as well. I mean, it's the reason I moved all over the country, all over the world. Like it's all my friends, it's everyone I (laughs) know, (laughs) you know, so when things aren't going how you want, so specifically we can talk about that college, you, you choose a college to go to, you move away from home, you go to the school, and all of a sudden you're not playing, you're not making the travel squad, whatever it is, like the kind of the weight that that may play on anxiety and depression and, you know, just the pressure that a lot of players put on them. I, I, young men and young women put on themselves is immense. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, if, for me, like soccer has always been, uh, it's always been everything. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny you talk about the pressure you put on yourself and and I think the biggest the biggest thing that really opened my eyes was um you know I kind of had an interesting journey from some years I played a lot some years I didn't play so much and you know spare you the details you know you know uh it was up and down for me sometimes I was on top of the world sometimes I wasn't but there was a there was a point in time and this kind of goes back to something we chatted about but I uh you know I, I started looking at the game as a teacher and I was like, Hey, if, you know, I bust my tail all the time and I'm putting myself into an amazing position to play. And if the coach decides that I'm not the best fit for the team, then that's what the coach decides. And yeah, I'm going to be upset about it, but I'm not going to let it uh, overtake me. And that was a big um, journey too, because I was able to not be fixated on not playing, make me mad. Yeah, it did but I didn't let it overtake me. And instead I was able to step back and try and see it through the coach's eyes. And even though I didn't agree with that decision and I would tell it to his face to this day, 
I think that it's made me a better coach and a better person because I understood why he did it, even though I didn't agree with it. And that took off a ton of depression and anxiety with me um, because it taught me to really see things holistically and, and through the eyes of somebody else and to really try and process things through through multiple vantage points. Was that like a tool that you used or that you learned when you were working with a therapist? Is that something you kind of just learned on your own through experiences or like what, what kind of tools would you advise for people to be using? So, so for me, it was, that was at the point in time where I, I wasn't seeing a therapist at that time. So I sort of learned it on my own and, uh, you know, I think a lot of it was just sort of finding my passion and a lot of it was just realizing the, the actuality of the picture was that no matter what I did, I was putting my best foot forward. Like I was busting it every single day. And, you know, my opinion was that I was on top of my game. Um, and so, so I guess, you know, a recommendation or, or something that people can do is is, you know, start to become very good at self-assessing. So talk to other people about like, hey, what things do I do well? Uh, what things can I improve on? And then, you know, really self-assess those yourself because that's something I did. I was constantly in the coach's office. What can I do to play more? What can I do to play more? What can I do to play more? And he told me and I improved on those things. And, you know, um, I thought it was good enough. He didn't think it was good enough and, you know, agree to disagree, but, I just had to learn to say, okay, I respect your opinion. Um, I appreciate you explaining it to me. And there just wasn't anything I could do at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just had to learn to live that sometimes it's hard, man. You know, things don't always go your way, but you got to find a positive in it. And for me, the positive was, I know I want to coach. I'm not playing and that pisses me off, but, uh, I got to find a positive. So my positive was looking at things through a coach's lens. Why is he doing this? And then me stepping back and like observing more when I wasn't in the game, right. When I was on the sideline. Um, so instead of sitting over there and pouting and feeling sorry for myself, I started looking at the game more through a coach's lens and what would I do here? You know, would I play a flat four, four, two or a four, three, three or a three, five, two in the situation? Um, so as upset and mad as I was, I was, uh, you know, I was able to try to spin it into a positive for myself. And I think that really helped me kind of kickstart my coaching career uh, pretty, pretty yeah, you, right away. Like you kind of channeled everything into like, well, let's use this as a learning experience rather than rather than just exactly walking away and saying, well, that was a bad experience. It's like, well, what can I take away to have made it a learning experience? Yeah, no doubt. So, man, already at, at this point, you've, you've learned in quite a lot and they've experienced quite a lot. You had your, your youth uh, director, your coaching experience, the college experience, and um, things were going really well with Ohio Elite. Then what was next? So, yeah, I, uh, I made the really, really rash decision that I wanted to move as far away from home as possible. And uh, I ended up moving to... Uh, I live in Walnut Creek, California. I'm, I'm very lucky to coach at uh, Pleasanton Rage, which is an all-girls uh, soccer program in Pleasanton, California in the East Bay. Um, 
and yeah, I had a, you know, it's a, it's an interesting story and, and hopefully it'll inspire somebody if they're, if they're looking to go out and get after it. But uh, yeah, I had a really good gig at Ohio elite have absolutely nothing but amazing things to say about working there. And um, you know, they took a lot of chances on me. They took a lot of risks with me. And they gave me a lot of opportunities that I probably wasn't qualified for, but um, yeah, I just decided that I needed to get out of Ohio. I didn't want to live there anymore. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a big cold weather person. Uh, and I just wanted to be somewhere different. And uh, so I went to my bosses and I told them that I wanted to go. And I, uh, I targeted Arizona, I targeted California, and I targeted Phoenix. And they were uh, super, super helpful. And you know, they made a lot of calls. They introduced me to people at the Players First Summit in Miami. They talked to people in Vegas for me. Um, and it was kind of funny. In 2017, I got to go to Valencia and study the Youth Academy there. And one of my buddies uh, now, who I met there, was a guy called Zecanedo, who is the executive director at San Juan, uh, a really successful club up in Sacramento. So, you know, I was like, Hey, California, great. I called Zeka, him and I kind of went back and forth and he talked to my bosses and stuff like that. And, you know, one thing led to another, it didn't work out there, but uh, the director of coaching now at Pleasanton Rage used to work at San Juan. So Zeka was nice enough to say, Hey, I know things aren't going to work out here in Sacramento, but a former employee of mine is the DOC at Pleasanton Rage now. And, you know, I think, uh, you guys would get on quite well. Can I give you her number? Um, and I said, yeah, we chatted. I went out in like the second week of February and then I moved the second week of March. Uh, so just kind of wild how your, uh, you know, your experiences and connections and things like that can sort of lead to, uh, to, to where I am now living in a, what I think is paradise, to be honest. <laughs> so what, what was the position with the new club? So the position with the new club is I am part of the technical staff. Um, I am the age group coordinator, which is very similar to my DOC role at Ohio Elite. Um, but I'm the age group coordinator for the U11 and U12 teams. And then I am the head coach of our 2007 girls ECNL program. So, you know, I'm on the operations side of things. And then I sort of I'm a bit of a liaison with our events just because, you know, I've got a lot of event experience, um, but it's not events aren't my full-time job. Um, but I help out with that, you know, in the office, uh, obviously not right now because California is crazy lockdown with COVID and stuff, but, uh, typically I'd be in the office, you know, a good amount. And then I have to, uh, you know, I'm required to attend X amount of training sessions for every team that I oversee. I'm required to attend, X amount of games for every team I oversee, which uh, I think is really, really cool. Um, one thing that I'm very fortunate about here is that a ton of my focus is soccer related and, you know, making kids better, making coaches better, curriculum development, game model development, seasonal plan. So there's a huge emphasis on our product. And it's not just about, you know, the, the financial piece of things and, you know, doing admin work and stuff like that, which I understand is necessary and I understand everybody needs to do, but I am super lucky that I'm able to have a very soccer specific job where, you know, my main focus is making the soccer piece of the club much That's better. That's awesome. 
So the this job, the job, Super the job cool. was very close to, at least similar to what you had done before. wasn't widely, wildly different. Um, so you you moved right. to California from, from Ohio, which whew, boy is that an upgrade yeah. geographically, but but you <laughs> you, but you do it right before lockdown. How? Let's check your anxiety level when you move across country <laughs> and everything gets goes to lockdown. What's going through your mind when when this is happening? Like, did you have an? Did you even have an apartment at this point? Yeah, so I did. So I'm I'm super lucky. I live with uh I live with he's guys one of my best friends now. Uh, it it would have been terrible if we hated each other, right? Because we moved <laughs> in and two days later we got put in this shelter in place. But uh yeah, so I actually met him when I was interviewing, and he's a uh he coaches two teams at our club, and he's also a, a teacher um but yeah i met him on my interview and he was like hey dude so if you decide to like live here my roommate's moving out so do you want to come check out the place <laughs> so i uh i checked out his place the next day and then you know i went home and i was like huh i need a roommate because i can't afford anything else here uh <laughs> so yeah i ended up moving in with him but uh yeah it's like it was it was crazy though back to that anxiety levels i was already you know freaking out and doubting my decision and god am i doing the right thing am i going to be able to do this um and then i got out here and it was just to be honest man it was just so much madness like the first week or two that i i don't even really remember it like we were in the office for 12 hours a day like putting together google classrooms and figuring out a plan and how are we still gonna you know be able to to make the kids better so it was just like boots on the ground right when I got here, you know, two days of just nonstop work, which I was really thankful for because I didn't have time to dwell on things. Um, but, you know, the one thing that I always say, people are like, oh, man, you moved here right at the start of the pandemic. I was like, look, dude, would you rather be in the Bay Area or Ohio during a <laughs> during a pandemic? And And for me, you know, I've picked up mountain biking and snowboarding and hiking and all sorts of other things. So, uh, you know, it, it sucks. I haven't got to coach a game. I haven't got to, I haven't got to coach a training session for real. Everything's been physically distanced with a mask on. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's not ideal. That's not what I was looking for, obviously when I moved here, but, uh, just trying to find the positives in it. And, you know, uh, my, my workload has been heavy, but it hasn't been, you know, the normal, youth soccer coach which whoever does it knows that whatever hours you know you think you're going to work you end up working 20 more that week um but you know just had a lot of time to to really you know kind of focus on myself and and care for myself and get fit and get active and you know barrel down some mountains on a snowboard and barrel down some mountains on a on a bike so it's been <laughs> it's been pretty sweet for me man i i honestly haven't been as uh as unfortunate and unlucky as, as others. I'm, I'm really, you know, just lucky. Like I got super lucky by all this. So I'm, I'm nothing but thankful um, that, that I made the move when and I did. So it sounds like you, you've acclimated well to life in California then. Whew. Yeah. That's an understatement, <laughs> man. I can't believe I wasn't here 20, 28 years ago. I can't believe I wasn't born here. <laughs> you know, when we're all going through different, different experiences, I think this time even more than others. And I'm sure, you know, you're seeing it in, you know, in the young boys and the young girls who are separated from their friends, they can't go to school, they can't participate in sports, like just the impact it has on them as well, and, and how much we need to support each other for it. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's uh, that's something that's definitely prominent. And keep checking in on the kids, even if you're having full contact practices, full contact games. Things are still things are still weird for them. So keep keep checking in on them and and seeing how they're doing. That's awesome. Well, listen, I know you're a busy man, and um, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. And we've been speaking with Toby Froelich, technical staff member, ECNL head coach at Pleasanton Rage Girls Soccer Club. Thanks for listening to Down the Tunnel. I'm Keen Barclay. Join us again next time as we talk all things soccer. Send your comments and questions to downthetunnel at gmail.com.